welcome to another episode of Ho in the Know. I am not sex trafficked Selena. I'm sorry. I'm so so glad to hear that. I know. I'm sorry. I just, um, I'm going to explain. So I hang out with a lot of defense attorneys because one of my partners is a defense attorney and one of his friends was talking to me about um, how she had a prostitution client recently and uh, essentially she she was like, you know, are you trafficked? Like, can you say that you were trafficked so you can get off of charges um, for solicitation? And it's just like that moment really illustrated for me how this like how the data around trafficking is collected, like all of these like plea bargains, like the best defense for sex solicitation and for prostitution charges is to say that you are trafficked. And so, yeah, so that was really frustrating. So that's my, a little backstory. That's my backstory for my uh, salutation today. Yes. And I'm, uh, uh, my chain is hanging low, Corey. Oh, nice. <laughs> it wobbles to the floor. You can tie it in a knot. Shines in the light. Yes. Platinum and gold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, and today we have my friend, Lauren Kylie. Hey, hey, thanks for being here. Hi, I guess I'm Libra Full Moon Lauren. Yes. yes. Love it. <laughs> Every episode, we begin with a segment we call Historical Hose. And this week's historical hoe is Shuedao. Shuedao was born 768 AD. She was the daughter of a minor government official in Chang'an, which was the Chinese capital during the Tang Dynasty. Her father, Shui Yun, was transferred to Chengdu when she was very young. When Shui Dao grew up, she was registered with the Guild of Courtesans and Entertainers in Chengdu, and in time became well known for her wit and her poetic talent. Her poetry attracted the attention of Wei Gao, the military governor of Xichuan Circuit, and she was made his official hostess. In this position, she met poets like Yuan Zhen, to whom she was said to have become close, often exchanging poems. She was also in conversation with many other well-known writers of the day and continued as hostess of literary meetings after Wei's death. When Wu Yongheng became governor in 807, she presented him with two poems. Yongheng was so impressed that he asked the emperor to appoint Shui Dao as an editor in his office. This was an unusual request, as Shui Dao was both a woman and a government courtesan. Although Dao was never given the position, she became known as the, quote, female editor. After this, editor became a euphemism for courtesan. In later years, Shui Dao was able to live independently in a site outside the city associated with the great poet of an earlier generation, Du Fu. She supported herself as a maker of beautiful paper used for writing poems. At this time, she became a Taoist churchwoman, signaling a relatively autonomous status within the Tang Dynasty. As a maker of beautiful paper and a Taoist theist, she maintained a life of independence and aesthetic sensibility. Some 450 poems by Shui Tao were gathered in the Brocade River Collection. Although many of her poems were lost in the 14th century, a bilingual compilation of her existing poems in the original language with an English translation can be found in Brocade River Poems. 
The notes at the end of the book explain allusions and places the poems in the context or explains allusions and places the poems in the context of medieval Chinese culture and its great literary heritage. About 100 of her poems are known today, which is more than any other Tang Dynasty woman. Ranging in, uh, widely in tone and topic, the poetry shows her lively intelligence and deep knowledge of the great tradition of earlier Chinese poetry. She is remembered not only through her poetry, but also through Husui um, Dao, a Venusian crater named after her. And that is the super cool life of this incredibly historical, historical ho, Shui Dao. Also, and I want to shout out your shirt that's a picture of California, and it says, I heart sex workers yes. on the state. This, this was the original Swap LA t-shirt. Oh, wow. Cute. Did not Yeah, and I'm so happy you like it, because I actually designed it. Oh, really? <laughs> You're just a jack of all trades, and we're going to get into it. But first, uh, let's talk about... Uh, Lil Nas. Lil Nas X. <laughs> yes. And SZA. And SZA. So for I did some re- every time a new celebrity gets on the poll, I do research. I'm like, okay, were you a sex worker? SZA was not a stripper or not a sex worker. Sorry. Um, SZA has said that she was a bartender at a strip club, but okay. she was just. She says she was not a stripper. But I'm always like, if you're a bartender at a strip club, d- did you do that only? Because I know a lot of bartenders at strip clubs <laughs> Yeah. who were also dancers. Yeah. And is she just trying to cover for her image? Yeah. It was definitely like, it could go either way. And it's not like she's ever really shied away from her sexuality, really. Yeah. And I do have to say, I was quite impressed by her moves. <laughs> like, she looked beautiful on the pole, and it was really nice to see, like, a dark skin, like, voluptuous, like, woman dancing in, like, this. Uh, yeah. But then the other side of me is like, are you co opting, like, yeah. stripper aesthetic? If this feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels so weird and i'm also just like why does she need to like i know a lot of really dope dark skin dancers who could have been hired for this video who mm-hmm. are strippers yeah yeah and then little nas at the the music video was fire and then it was like weird i was like why are you riding a pole down to hell like and then giving a lap dance to the devil <laughs> i mean like i was into i conceptually kind of appreciated it and all of its queerness but i was also like then lil nas like issued a thing like you know shout out to pole dancers not strippers oh for for uh how you know their strength or whatever he could have said strippers he did he said pole dancers okay um (laughs) so okay but what about these blood sneakers blood sneakers yeah, Lil Nas X has, is now selling these, like, Satan sneakers that have red ink and supposedly a drop of human blood in them. That's, that's, that's not safe. 
I mean, I'm intrigued. I I worry about like teenagers and because like I have a little brother who's a teenager right now, and they do stupid ass shit. Like they would pop open that that liquid whatever and drink it. You know what I mean? Like oh gosh, as like, like a dare. As a dare, just makes me yeah like in the tradition of like wild boys and jackass and shit. Yeah. Oh, speaking of jackass, I said last week that uh, Stevo had kids. He doesn't have kids. <laughs> um, not surprisingly, it was Johnny Knoxville I was thinking of. Oh. Yeah, he has a few kids. Yeah. I could see him having kids accidentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stevo, I don't know. <laughs> He's got a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. He uh, always just gave off really weird energy. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I'm so mixed because I love Will Nas X. Uh, There's really not much that he could do that I would be upset about. And I, but I'm also like, am I just holding him to a different standard than like, I don't know, the other, the women who have pole danced? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we don't get to see men pole dance and do these things in mainstream media yeah i mean there's to me i was just thinking like um i give people passes with pole dance if you would normally be excluded from being able to dance like if you are fat or if you are like a lot of older people are not able to a lot of men generally like they don't have that same setting for it to be like an option um yeah if you would like or like people who are are trans and like you know would generally face like a lot of systemic exclusions to actually being in the club like I'm like okay like you know fucking dance away um but I feel more type of way with like certain kinds of cis women who fit within the beauty box yeah that makes sense um, but anyway, we, we have a, a wonderful guest here and I want to get into sort of what you do and how you started. Uh, so you make, would you say they're full porn films or just like clips? Um, well, I, I usually just say fetish porn because that also depends a lot of what I produce myself is in the clips family. Um, like it's mostly me saying dirty things to a camera and trying to look sexy while I do it. Like, but I don't do hardcore sex on camera. I don't, I don't even really masturbate on camera. I stopped taking my clothes off because, um, well, because I sell more with my clothes on, which has always sort of baffled me, but, okay mm-hmm. um but i also film for other producers like last week i spent three days shooting bondage and that was much pornier because i was like tied to a thing with a vibrator tied between my legs like um so i usually just say fetish porn and let people figure it out <laughs> um but again you know it's been fluid and i've done very like my levels and boundaries have sort of zigzagged through the years. So, so what, what did you start in and when did you start? Well, well, I started taking dirty pictures, uh, 
well, officially when I was 18, uh-huh. um, <laughs> like, right. uh, that, that's when I was officially born on the internet as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I started doing that for free because, well, because I was an idiot and I was 18, but also because I mean, one of my best friends yeah. was a photographer. So when she would call me and be like, Hey, let's go take pictures of you naked on top of a parking garage. Um, that was just for fun. Like that was just, that was not sex work. That was just hanging out. Um, (laughs) so, so for like the fetish stuff, that sort that, like that started as a hobby. Um, but when I was, so, so that was like my start in doing like fetish modeling. Um, was How did you just get for... introduced to fetish stuff generally? Like, what was your first introduction to fetish play, and what was a tipping point for you? <laughs> oh God! Um, well, I always had dreams of like being kidnapped by pirates and then joining the crew, and so that was always a fun little switchy thing. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Have you ever gotten to enact this fantasy? Because yes. I would forget. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, but I'm always down to do it again. Um, with one of my very good friends, I'm not actually sure where this footage is, but somewhere there's a video of me in a mermaid costume and she's in a pirate costume. And um, oh, good. anyway, it was that was one of my favorites. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like kink was always just sort of, a part of what I was messing around with. Like I remember being a teenager and I was house sitting for like friends of the family and like it, they were a lesbian couple. So I was also taking care of their seven cats. Um, of course. But, <laughs> but it also <laughs> meant that they had this whole like bookshelf of queer erotica to read. And wow, that was what not something I love. I wish I had that job at that age. <laughs> Um, so I had like one night and I just read like everything as much as I could get through. Um, and they had a copy of screw the roses, give me the thorns, which is a like seventies or eighties BDSM book, I think. Um, and they also had a book of short stories and I just remember this, you know, I must've read this like 15 years ago. Um, but there was one story where there was a female like sex bot android that a husband had bought but then the wife starts to play with it and the the human wife gives the android an orgasm for the first time and then they kill the husband and run away (laughs) together what a great story it was i want that movie (laughs) i know um and you know i don't remember the title i don't remember the book but that was like a kinky story that I read really early that just sort of stayed with me. Um, so, so I always kind of like, once I started hooking up with people, I kind of figured out that I was into different things than my friends were. Um, and I thankfully had really close kinky friends. So it didn't seem that weird to me where I was like, Oh, well, you know, this friend likes being held down. This one likes doing the holding down. Um, I had like, I had people to talk to when like an early girlfriend, we were 
pulled a knife out and she was trying to like be all sexy and i was like cuffed to her bed and i was just like "Mm -mm, nope we're done like uh, this went too far too fast (laughs) um but that like that part i was always pretty confident and like surrounded with other people with um which i was not when i started doing sex work which was when i was about 19 and I started on so embarrassing. I started on seeking arrangement using yeah. my real name. Oh. Um, oh no. The first mistake. I, don't even, <laughs> I know. You know, I, I try to remember back to the first time I did seeking and I don't remember what name I went by. It might've been my legal name, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I figured that out really quickly where I was like, oh shit, that was, I didn't have to do that. Um, So, yeah, so. days. I mean, what year was was that? Like. 2006? It was either late 2005 or early 2006. Yeah, so Um, that was really early seeking years. mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started sex work on Seeking and Craigslist. And did you find it to be like? Did you have success there? Yes, in that, um, like it was more money than any other job in Tallahassee was going to pay me at the time. Like, also, I have to shout out that you're in Tallahassee, a place that I would not think that there were that many people on seeking you know like uh but but the the capital there well for me i mostly got um old white southern guys who like i had one take me quail hunting um okay so i was i was like literally drove out to his like multi-acre ranch or plantation or whatever the fuck got on a horse he was training the hunting dogs so there was horses and puppies and he was shooting quail and at some point halfway through the afternoon i was like maybe there should be less guns on this date yeah (laughs) like that hadn't occurred like you know i was just like there on this horse i don't know how to ride a horse so i'm just like holding on um i'm happy you're alive (laughs) yeah (laughs) My primary reaction to the story. Um, did it get sexy? Did that date get sexy or was it? Pure- it did. Yeah. 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 After that, we um, went inside, had a glass of whiskey, had sexy times. And then I and then I uh, drove back and went to the bar and had a drink with my friends. And they had no one knew I was doing sex work at the time. So occasionally Tallahassee's not that big so occasionally someone would like run into me downtown because I was going from a date at the downtown Radisson like back to campus um I remember running into one of my friends who was like on his bike and going somewhere and he's like oh you're all dressed up and I was like Yes, uh-huh. yes, like, yes, I am dressed up. Oh, yeah. Dressed up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a day, thing. evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so success for the time and for what I thought was a lot of money at the time, like, 
Yes, I got work really easily. Um, it was also a time where Craigslist was bumping. So I could just sign on and not even have to post an ad. I could just respond to a couple people who were looking for someone and probably have to like get a date that week and get some money. Um, so how did you decide upon your rates at that point? Um, that implies that I had like official rates and wasn't just making it up as I went along. Um, so that was my first like couple years as a sex worker. And then I moved to Chicago, went to grad school and started working for an agency because in between that time, I like read a bunch of blogs. I found, I sort of, I found out that spread magazine existed, but I couldn't find a copy of it. But like, I knew it was, a thing that other people could read. Um, it wasn't in the Tallahassee libraries. And um, I started working for an agency and that's really where I learned how the hell to actually do the job. Um, and it was great. They did all the marketing, they did all the screening. Um, and even though they were taking half my cut, I was still making what I was in Florida and way more. So I was just, I was like, well, for me, this is, this is what awesome. What did the agency teach you? Like, um, well, not, not to use my name. Um, like there was that, there was, I don't know. It wasn't so much that the agency taught me anything. It was just working as an escort regularly as opposed to doing the sort of informal sugar baby negotiations where I got more confident being like, Oh, well, the timer's going off. So we have to either keep going for another hour or I'm going to have to stop here. Like all of that, instead of just, well, you gave me, you're, you're going to give me some amount of money for some amount of my time and way too much of my attention. Um, yeah. So being able to practice blaming my boundaries on the agency um, really helped me like hone those skills basically. Um, and also the, like having someone to watch my back, even like, even though it was just my manager, I guess I never knew what to call her because like, you're she was the person no <laughs> it, it, yeah because she wasn't quite that um and like she also like she had cl had clearly had years of experience from my side and like kind of worked her way up um but it's like that was the first time i had done sex work where literally any other person in the world knew where i was and that feeling of security was huge and you know i remember one client I, you know, I walked in the hotel room, I introduced myself and he immediately started complaining that I was too skinny and too blonde. And I was like, this, hold on. Like, this has never happened. And as far as I know, this has literally never happened. And so what he was trying to do was negotiate for a half rate. Mm -hmm. And then he got it. And again, this interaction took like maybe two minutes total where I was like, you know what? Mm -mm. like everything about this is weird and I'm going to do a thing I haven't done before and trust my instincts and just leave. Yeah. Um, and 
and and so then I called into the agency and I was like, all right, this is how it happened. This and the whole time I'm like, do I now owe them money? Like, what the fuck? How is that? How am I gonna get out of this? And she was great. She was like, you know what? I wasn't sure how that was gonna work out. I'm so glad you left. He'll be he'll be blocked. Like you just shouldn't have to deal with that. And I was shocked. I was like, oh, that's nice. Oh, um, yeah. that support is yeah. so like a lot of people don't, especially now. Like, I don't know how many agencies there are. Uh, there's not that kind of support, and we have to make our own sort of support systems with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, having someone you can check in with, having you know someone you can send this a picture of the the client to and like a phone number and an address you know that we have to create that ourselves now um so you went so when did you start making fetish clips or so that was in 2011 and so i've been escorting in chicago and then me and my partner moved to la and i had decided to retire from escorting, which was really more about like just not wanting to escort and also like, Oh my God, new city, new clients. Like, mm-hmm. like, nah. Um, <laughs> but I'm so, I'm so glad I never did escort work in LA. It's like everyone I've talked to, I'm just like, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, transportation alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but <laughs> Um, but I was starting to get in the, this is where my sex work and sex work activist history starts, um, blending is I moved to LA and I'd been sort of lightly involved in swap Chicago. Um, like I'd gone to a few meetings, um, I got into a few socials and I think I'd like done some light spreadsheet work because of course I did some spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> and I moved to LA and I didn't know anybody and I didn't want my entire social circle to be like my partner's grad school cohort. Oh, that's ironic. Um, but, um, but so I tried to find swap LA and what I found was someone who handed me a box of stuff and I was like, great, you can be the director now. And I was like, what? (laughs) Activism is just like we need you here. Take a lot of the labor. <laughs> so, so that's how I became director of Swap LA. Um, I met Jenny DeMilo, who became a really fast friend, and she was um, at the time. I think she was still doing doing uh, pro dom work. But she she's done escort work. She's done dominatrix work. And she had just started her clips for sale. Um, and the aforementioned best friend who's a photographer, her name is Sydney Screams. She is also a porn star now. Um, and, and we grew up together. When I came out to her as an escort, she was like, okay, well, I guess I have to tell you about doing porn then. And I was like, oh, well, then. <laughs> great conversation. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> And so she had been making clips and Jenny convinced me, like, just try it out. Just make, just make a couple movies, film them with your webcam, like throw them up, see if they sell, see if you like it. And, you know, worst case scenario, you did a couple days of work and didn't like it. Like, 
and um yeah that's that's how it started and 10 years later um <laughs> 10 years later i'm not only still making my own clips running my own membership site but i now run admin for four other porn sites so there's also so there's like the porn that i make that i'm in and then there's the porn that i make in terms of i push the buttons that makes it go onto the internet and i watch a lot of porn and in at this point like a fair variety of niches so so yeah the like what kind of porn do i make is if it's kinky i've probably posted it um and what's your relationship to porn in a pleasure sense it's well it's changed a lot um i'm really grateful that i'm at a point now where i don't shoot things i don't want to shoot um so like if there's a if there's a scene of something i don't want to do i can just say no um and i just i've severely cut down the other producers who i shoot with which is also a huge economic privilege um because still most of the easiest way to get the most money the fastest in porn is still to shoot for other people and other sites and that's also the riskiest most dangerous part of porn and it's it's a shitty shitty system um but i but because most of because the majority of my income comes from my admin work i don't have to do that i actually get to court other sex workers and be like hey you're making this much amount of money and i know you could be making more money so let's both make money um which is pretty much how all of my work relationships operate um and not dealing with other producers is the biggest thing that has heightened my pleasure um so when i'm shooting for myself i'm in control of i actually don't like shooting by myself because it's a pain in the ass and a shit ton of work um so when i get to shoot the way i want it's with my closest friends doing stuff that we all enjoy and you know we're trying to make each other laugh through it like at said bondage shoot at one point we we're all in ball gags trying to sing cell block tango um <laughs> that's that's a, a a video i need in my life <laughs> i've been like yeah that's my fetish that's my kink um <laughs> cell block tango but with ball gags yeah it was pretty amazing um Wait, so, so, so when you started making fetish content, what kind of content were you making and what did it change to eventually? Um, it started, I know I could look this up, but I don't want to because my early clips are early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it started as basically um, jerk off to my mouth okay, okay, do that for three minutes. And then, all right, I'm gonna put my feet in front of the camera, jerk off to my feet. What, where it really started kind of changing was when I started getting customs that were much more interesting. A cum eating instruction. Oh, oh. yeah. 
And that's something I never really enjoyed personally. But over the past decade, it started making me a lot of money. So then it got sexy. So now I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I get so grossed out by cum eating, and not to yuck somebody's yum, but this is just my reality. Um, wait, self cum eating or like, yeah, just cum eating in general? No, self cum eating. Oh. Like, I have, I have like a submissive who really just likes me to make him eat his cum, and I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Personal feeling, not you know. Yeah. It's way more fun when you're, again, talking to a camera and a hypothetical person. Yeah, um, and I, you don't have to or, watch it. Like You could just like be like, oh, this comes. Yeah. You just want to eat that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I did full-time camming for a while, and that was a nightmare for me. Um, That's hard. I hate camming. That's I hard hated work. camming. Oh, my gosh. It's so much work. And how, the how many hours were you... Uh, working typically for a shift Uh, it wasn't it was either two hours or like eight to ten hours um because i'd set like a weekly goal and i was like i'm like i'm a cam until i hit this goal and some days (laughs) some weeks that happened a lot faster than others and then some days i'd be like sitting there in an empty cam room and just like i can't like i can't i do not have the wherewithal to be sexy right now for for the void um so that's been interesting watching all these non-sex working vanilla people talk about like getting all tired on zoom and like oh my god it's so hard to do these virtual things and like there are cam girl forums with a dissertation's worth of tips on how to do this shit like get on stripper web do your homework <laughs> Come on. What are some of your favorite forums for this? uh, Stripper web for sure. um, Although it's been a while. Um, That's probably the only forum I know that's still. I know there are some. um, Not on Reddit. um, On on, um, Tumblr. No. Pinterest. No. No. I feel like Discord is is where things are going. Discord. Discord, yes. Discord. Why am I? I am such a millennial. I'm so sorry (laughs) to my Zoomers listening. (laughs) Discord. They're very different than Twitch. But yeah, they live in the same bits of my head. Um, But yeah, I I was talking to some cameras who were like, oh, like the threads there are really great. Or like the the forums are amazing. What cam sites were you using? Um, I did MFC, my free cams, and I hated MFC. Uh, yeah, like why? With because, <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's like two different types of camming. The first of which is you're performing for a live audience and multiple people are throwing tips at you. And that's sort of the MFC model. And I, this was also in like 2015, I think. So I think this is still pretty. Yeah. This should still be pretty accurate. Yeah. But it's where like I sh- model. Yeah. Um but where I make the most money and where I'm really best as a sex worker is in the private one-on-one chats. Like I can get one guy to spend an hour or two with me. Um and MFC has that, but like that's not what it's set up for. 
So I made a lot more money on StreamMate, except I was always bitter because the cut for StreamMate is 65 them, 35 you. Ugh. What? Yeah. That's not, so that's gross. nothing. <laughs> That's like a, a uh-huh. few cents. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So it would be man. just like in a vulgar Marxist way, just infuriating to work all day and then look at my earnings and just be like, like yeah. you understand how many dollars I made for you, corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and like getting clients off those sites is nearly impossible. Um, yeah, because they will block you or, or suspend your account if you try and exchange information, which is so stupid. Mm-hmm. I've had good luck on Chatterbait, like sending my um, my Cash App and, and uh, Venmo information, which I think is really interesting because it's very explicit in the rules. Like, don't solicit for other, you know, platforms. platforms but for whatever reason i've been getting away with uh you know what nice. i should i should stop speaking now because i don't <laughs> want to jinx it um it's definitely like a a very uh iffy thing um yeah i mean i have some friends who are cameras and they've just been dealing with like so much monitoring about like even just sharing their twitter handles and stuff like mm. they're not allowed to share that oh my god all the platforms are cracking down right now and (laughs) for for admin people this is just the biggest headache because they're all doing different things and they're all implementing different rules um but they're all changing it so it used to be okay is no longer okay on OnlyFans, you can only send you can only post so many links a day now um and Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they're trying to do is cut down on the S4S stuff and people sharing each other. So they encourage you to do that through adding people um, instead of putting their full OnlyFans link or something. I don't know. Many of it's just changed their shit because they used to allow you to point to your OnlyFans and now they don't. And they also just changed their watermark regulations but there's just no fucking way I'm going through every video for every client to change watermarks because that's so many hours of labor. I mean, they should just have like a program that does that. It would mean re-editing. Like also if you allowed watermark and I think there, there's been a whole fight over like what's allowed, what's not allowed. What about past videos? What about, but Mm -hmm. anyway, like like responsible retroactively. And every day it changes. So for most of it, it's just kind of a, well, it's up right now. So people are buying it and we will, you know, in December, Pornhub was most of my clients' biggest earner and now they can't sell videos anymore. So Mm. that was cute. Like just everyone's income just got sliced in half Yeah. again. um, Was it because of the whole, uh, what is it, Visa MasterCard revoking yeah yep yeah yeah so shame 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 on 
<laughs> the credit card companies, shame I mean, on it's just so shame on Pornhub, like, shame on everyone. I don't know if I fully blame the tech companies in this instance. I mean, I'm like, okay, for full disclosure, I'm writing an article about this, but like a lot of this seems to be like responses are like somewhat proactive responses to like legislation that a lot of these tech companies are seeing coming down the line. Like, you know. Pornhub several years ago hired some of their performers to do a consultancy on like how they should change their site. And they were sex workers and porn performers who came back and gave them like a list of things that included don't let unverified people upload shit because that's going to lead to a bunch of legal problems. Yeah. They didn't listen to anything in that consultation. Like they didn't implement any of the suggested changes. And it was just one of those like, what the fuck and they're so yeah i mean that's very true i just think about like facebook not i don't know just facebook's number of fuck-ups and just like not properly moderating things like i mean i was watching some report that was about like how facebook wasn't like didn't have enough translators for Burmese and so like they were not moderating like all of the hate speech against the Rohingyas and stuff like because they just didn't have anybody who was trained in the like the Burmese like uh page or like Facebook was like still listed in English you know rather (laughs) rather than the local language so like nobody knew what the terms were and there were terrible like mistranslations of like terms and stuff and I'm just like you would think with Facebook, they have so much money, it it shouldn't be an issue it to, It shouldn't like, be an issue to be diligent. Right. And yet, they're, like, they give no fucks. And, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just a fucked up system, and we're all caught in the middle of it. So, how did you get into doing admin work? Was it just, like, your friends needed help, and you were like, I know how to do all these things? Or... Is there a different um, path? It was Hooker's Army, actually. Okay. Um, Shout out Hooker's Army. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a dominatrix who had a friend who needed um, an assistant, and um, she told me to apply, and I was like, no, I don't know. And then she kept nagging me until I did because I am friends with a lot of dominatrices and this is kind of how it works. Um, (laughs) They nag me until I do the thing that's good for me and it's awesome. Um, And so I went and I met um, Stella, Stella Liberty and we just sat in her back garden and like drank coffee and played with her dogs for like two hours and and the whole time I was like, so when are we doing the job interview? Because this is awesome. And then at the end, she was like, okay, so how are we going to start this? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and we sat down. We looked through her content. We, like, made a strategy. And it it started with, like, just her. And, like, I would help her shoot. And we went to conventions together. And we'd become really close. And... Um, and, and then last March, everything went to hell. Um, 
and her income got slashed in half because she couldn't see in-person clients anymore. Um, so by extrapolation, I needed some more income. And I, and at that point I'd been doing her admin and my admin. And I used to have do some part-time vanilla work doing e-commerce. Um, so I started asking around and then I found someone else who needed like friend of a friend who was like, Hey, I could use some help with editing and posting. And I have no idea how clips for sale works. And I was like, that I can do this janky website. I'm an expert in at this point. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there and now I've got a handful of clients and with one of them, I can start to hire another friend to do their editing. So we've got like this little trio putting queer kinky porn into the world. And it's, it's just gotten really exciting. (laughs) So, and I get to help people and I get to see all the porn and I get to help sex workers make more money. And that's kind of like, I feel like a teenage boy sometimes. I'm like, I get to watch porn all day. (laughs) Uh, that's wonderful um yeah so we met in hooker's army and how did you find out about it and how did you Um, essentially become like the the second half to it so vanessa and i have been friends since God, I don't remember when we met, but I think I was wearing this shirt um, because it was at a conference in L.A. and I was tabling for Swap L.A. Um, And so Vanessa and I had already been organizing together for several years. And then and then I left Swap and then Danny Cruz came into Swap. And I think that's how Danny and Vanessa met. And then I came sort of back after I think I spent like a year and a half avoiding everything swap because I was burned out and frustrated and uh y'all's interview with Krista said a lot of echoed a lot of my sentiments about sex work organizing in LA and the fucked up white lady culture that pervades there um and (laughs) yeah uh, anyway Swap's gotten better. I can say that at least. Oh, ooh. <laughs> begs to disagree. Uh, no, no. I am in. I, I, uh, yeah. I had a maybe it's, a hand in in that. Yeah, <laughs> just okay. a little it's, one. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's that's also not. <laughs> it's gotten better. I will say that. That's a nice thing. That sounds like a nice thing to say. Yeah, it was real bad for a while. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so there was a December seventeenth that was, I guess, I guess it was twenty fifteen, because it was the first time me, Danny, and Vanessa were like in a room together, and so the first time I met Danny, I was just sobbing, like I was a mess. I'd walked into this event not knowing if I was even going to know anybody. And there was a room with like 20 or 30 people. I knew like half of them. Um, And I think it was a couple of weeks later, Vanessa was like, Hey, I have this idea for self-defense for sex workers. 
what do you guys think? And Danny and I were like, sure, when and where? And Vanessa was like, I guess this park? And we're like, all right. And um, that's that's basically how Hooker's Army was born, is we all just kept showing up and other people came in and kept showing up. And yeah, so that was... So again, it started with like a handful of us in a park and then we realized we had to move parks and at, like, as we moved venues, it made it more accessible to people in other parts of town. Um, there was a while where we were meeting like a block from my apartment and that was selfishly super awesome for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, Hooker's Army is by far the coolest thing I've ever been a part of organization and like activist wise. Um, I've learned a shit ton. I didn't know a goddamn thing about self-defense and now I can teach a basic workshop. Um, we, we were able to do a workshop right before FetishCon, which had been one of my goals sort of from the start because FetCon is like the if everyone has like a convention that they go to regularly, FetCon's mine. Like, I, that's where my friends are. That's where a lot of the work that I pick up has been. Um, and therefore, that's the one I know the most horror stories about and like know the security people, remember when they switch security teams, like, have gotten in trouble for, be- for having too much rope because. Too much rope? <laughs> And one of the one of the last years, um, it, I didn't even know they had regulations about how tied up you could be. But Stella and I went together, and she she had me in like just this little chest tie and little harness, and I think I had little T Rex arms because I still wanted to drink my beer. Um, so valid, <laughs> accessible. <laughs> Like fat guns in Tampa, it's that says a lot. It's a bunch of kinky people in Florida in August. Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And anyway, apparently there are rules about tying up arms in case you fall, and I'd never heard this before. Um, and so they they kept making us untie me, and we kept trying to retie it. Eventually, it was just sort of a decorative harness, and. That's, walking around all cranky like this was bondage um now it's just a fashion (laughs) yeah yeah now i'm just wearing a rope leotard for fun like all right it's it's cute but it's not what we were doing um but yeah so then my partner got a very good job in miami so we moved to miami and therefore hooker's army dirty south was born because i was going a little crazy out here and right it was in february um right before quarantine hit that i was like talking to people in tampa and was setting up the first florida in-person workshop and then we couldn't see anyone let alone train so now we're about to do our first public hooker's army digital workshop and that'll be really interesting because it's only the second time Vanessa and I have like done one of these workshops online. So 
it's really exciting and also really like this is not how we wanted to organize this is not our project was never do video presentations of self-defense right but that's kind of where we're at right right now now. (laughs) i have another one last question as it pertains to porn do you find porn erotic still sometimes sometimes some porn yeah it often, it usually takes me by surprise when it does. Um, but I also don't watch porn for my own pleasure. Um, I read most of my porn. Um, so when, it, it's surprising enough when a visual thing captures my attention in that way. Um, but sort of an extra surprise if it happens, like when I'm in porn work mode, I'm like, oh, oh. Hold on. Okay. I'm gonna edit this preview extra carefully. <laughs> you gotta rewind this a couple more times. Just... <laughs> Might be an all-nighter. And, well, and sometimes um, I I think my clients are super awesome and creative. So sometimes I just get kind of sucked into watching it and I'm like, huh. Well, that never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like it's just interesting. Yeah. I love that. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You're depressed. It's been the longest year in the history of your life, and you've reached a breaking point. You haven't seen your friends in so long that you don't even know what they look like anymore. You've spent eight hours a day or more looking at a screen, and you're about to claw your eyes out if you have to show up for one more Zoom. What's a human to do? Introducing vitamins. They won't cure your depression, but they will maybe help with something. Sunlight. It may make you feel a little better. Or it might hurt your eyes. Results may vary. Hugging yourself. It sounds sad because it is sad. And you're sad. Which is honestly on brand for this moment. And finally, sleeping. You might sleep in too much or find it too hard to sleep when every day bleeds into the next, but that's okay. Even if all you can do is just lay still and wait for the night to end, you're doing great, sweaty. If none of this works, you may need to take your meds on time, Selena. Remember, it's okay for your life to suck right now because life sucks for pretty much everyone right now. A message from a foundation for a better life. Um, So we're coming to the end of our time. Where can we find you? And uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Yes. Um, You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at XOXO Lauren Kiley. Uh, You can find my porn at laurenkiley.com. And the two things I want to plug are Hooker's Army, as always. Um, We don't really have an internet presence, but you can email Hooker's Army LA at protonmail.com or HA Dirty South at protonmail.com. And it's those are really just separate geographically, but we don't really have borders right now. So everything's yeah. kind of virtual. If it's past um, six feet, you know, <laughs> it's all good. That's it. <laughs> and then the second thing I want to plug is this. Um, anti-capitalist sex workers reading group that I've uh, become a part of called either who revolution or whore evolution, depending um, 
And that's also on Twitter and Insta at WHO underscore revolution. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. And Damn. it's a really, really badass reading list. And it's all sex workers. And it's 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 been a much, much needed source of community for me. So sex workers are all invited to both of those. And I don't really care what everyone else is doing. So I'm, I'm talking to sex workers. Yes. That's my audience. Yes. Um, but buy your content, everybody else. Yes. Yeah, for everybody yeah, else. Yeah, everyone else can buy my content. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of weird stuff in there. So if there's something you've never thought of or have questions about, then you can pay me to answer them, I guess. <laughs> wow, I love that. Corey, where can we find you? You can find me at the goddess Corey on Instagram, on Twitter. I have a milkshake. It brings all the boys to the yard. Uh, you can click the links in it. Beautiful. I'm Selena the stripper. You can find me at Pretty Boy Girl on Instagram, uh, at Selena the Strumpet on TikTok. Um, you can find my Patreon at the Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow this podcast at Hell in the No, spelled Hukes in the Nukes. Um, and you can, uh, that's it. You know, I was going <laughs> to, like, there's more, but that's so it for today. Things. I do want to shout out that I had a very exciting panel. Whenever this comes out, uh, who knows, it'll, you know, we'll be a baby step closer to this, the release of this panel. But I got to speak with some sex worker friends. For the Criterion Collection. Oh my gosh. So excited about that. (laughs) The art house film nerd in me is uh, overflowing. Delighted. Delighted. Absolutely delighted. So so keep on the lookout for that. And I will talk more about that in the future. Anyway, um, I hope that y'all in the world are enjoying the spring or fall depending on your hemisphere and all of that. Um, I hope you're having a great time today. And if you're not having a great time today, you know, I'd like to wish you a a digital hug. Yes. (laughs) I'll give you a digital hug. (laughs) Sending digital hugs. (laughs) Yeah. And some, like, cute animal gifts. Just imagine them. They're so cute. Like turtles in a little (sighs) box being fed flowers. A baby hippo. A baby hippo, a ferret crawling through a tube. Yes. That's it. A whole right. bunch of baby goats. Oh, yes. <laughs> Anything baby goats do. Cross-species friendships. Oh, yes. Yeah, those are my favorites. <laughs> All right, that's it, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. More money. I want your money. I want more money. 